Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 25, episode 25, and we're going to do the readings for Friday, which is the second week of Ordinary Time. And uh, before we go any further, please subscribe and share to my podcast. If you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, it would be a great help. So uh, now that we got that out of the way, let's begin. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right. So um, we're going to go through the readings, which is, again, for um, f the Friday of the second week of Ordinary Time. Okay, so we're continuing with Hebrews. Uh, it's from chapter 8, verse 6 to 13. So let's begin. He is mediator for a better covenant. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Now our high priest has obtained so much more excellent ministry as he is mediator of a better covenant enacted on better promises for if that first covenant had been faultless no place would have been sought for a second one but he finds fault with them and says behold the days are coming says the lord when i will conclude a new covenant with the house of israel and the house of judah it will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers, the day I took them by the hand to lead them forth from the land of Egypt. For they did not stand by my covenant, and I ignored them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall not teach each one his fellow citizen, uh, his fellow citizens and kin, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their evil doing, and remember their sins no more. 
When he spoke of a new covenant, he declares the first one obsolete, and what has become obsolete and has grown old is close to disappearing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's read this one more time. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 13. He is mediator of a better covenant. Now our high priest has obtained so much more excellent ministry as he, as he is mediator of a better covenant, enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, no place would have been sought for a second one. But he finds fault with them and says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will conclude a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers. The day I took them by the hand to lead them forth from the land of Egypt. For they did not stand by my covenant, and I ignored them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his fellow citizens and kin, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from least to the greatest. For I will forgive their evil doing, and remember their sins no more. When he speaks of a new covenant, he declares the first one obsolete, and what has become obsolete and has grown old is close to disappearing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but I think this is something we really need to take some time with. So how about if I read it one more time, and then we'll dive into it, understanding what God is saying to us. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 13. He is mediator of a better covenant. A reading from the letter to Hebrews. Now our high priest has obtained so much more excellent a ministry as he is mediator of a better covenant, enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, no place would have been sought for a second one. But he finds fault with them and says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will conclude a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers. The day I took them by the hand to lead them forth from the land of Egypt, for they did not stand by my covenant, and I ignored them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each other his fellow citizens and kin, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from least to the greatest. And for I will forgive their evil doing, 
and remember their sins no more. When he speaks of a new covenant, he declares the first one obsolete, and what has become obsolete and has grown old is close to disappearing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so this is going to be a very uh, interesting uh, portion of the, uh, the readings we're going to look into. Let's start from the beginning here. Now our high priest has obtained so much more excellent a ministry as he is mediator of a better covenant enacted on better promises. So we're acknowledging that Christ here is our high priest and his ministry is excellent. And he is a, medi a mediator of a better covenant. So we, the covenant that Christ set up with the apostles, uh, remember what he said, this is the cup of a new, uh, of the new covenant. And then let's go on a little. And then he also has better promises. In other words, because God does never breaks his covenant. Um, so therefore, uh, better promises, a covenant, a more excellent ministry. Uh, and he's a high priest. So we have something here that it's guaranteed. A ministry of Christ, a high priesthood of Christ, the promises of Christ, the covenant that God has made through Jesus Christ is a better one. It's one that more perfect is an excellent one, better than the one that was made with the people of Israel, with Abraham and the one on Mount Sinai. So let's go a little further for if that first covenant had been faultless, no fault, and it was perfect, no place would have been sought for a second one, but he finds fault with them and says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I shall, when I will conclude a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So, so, and this is actually from Jeremiah. This reading here is from Jeremiah, which is um, interesting. It's a, uh, because Jeremiah made a prophecy that there will be a new covenant in uh, the book of Jeremiah here. So it goes on. Um, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, house of Israel, meaning all 12 tribes, house of Judah, because the Messiah will come from Judah. Okay, so <clears throat> the old covenant, there's a problem. It's, it was only temporary. It was never meant to be there forever, but it was not, it doesn't mean that um, that God made a, a covenant that had fault in it. No, the, it, it was always meant to be a temporary covenant because it, it was meant to be um, fulfilled. It had, a, it had a purpose. Covenants are not just made, but they're made with a purpose, with a purpose at hand. And usually, because God is the one who makes it, uh, human beings... Everything is temporary, but God, it meant to be, in a sense, replaced with a better one. Eventually, it was it would meant to be a covenant with the whole world. Because what did God say? He said to Abraham, uh, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. 
all the families of the earth would be blessed. So obviously, there is a means to an end to it. It was set up for obviously an obvious purpose for the whole world. But when you make it with Israel, it then it's only with the people of Israel. And there has to be a purpose to it. There has to be a promise. Promises are meant to be kept and are meant to be fulfilled with a future tense to it. So let's go on. Uh, it will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers the day I took them by hand, by the hand to lead them forth from the house of Egypt. For they did not stand by my covenant and I ignored them, says the Lord. So he always points back to a historical event, the Exodus. He took them by hand. He's talking intimately himself, even though it was done through Moses, but still it was him that promised Moses and Aaron that he will uh, make Pharaoh uh, bend the knee and let them go. And obviously there was obviously a purpose. He made a covenant with them. He gave them their law, but he brought them to Sinai. Of course, we know what happened afterward in Sinai. They, you know, just even before they even looked at the law or heard the law, um, they wound up committing a sin. Um, okay. For they did not stand by the covenant and I ignored them, says the Lord. Well, he, he ignored, he, he, he ignored their sin. Not that he ignored them, but he ignored the sin, the failure. He had to look past their failure. He had to tolerate their weakness and their stupidity. All right. Um, but this is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And it is interesting how it goes on. And they shall not teach each one his fellow citizens and kin, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from least to the greatest. For I will forgive their evil doing and remember their sins no more. And then he, I like what he says here. When he speaks of a new covenant, he declares the first one as obsolete. And what has become obsolete has grown old as close to disappearing. It, it, I like the part when he said, they shall know me and I shall know them and everyone will know the Lord. And, you know, it, it shows the kind of intimacy he wanted to share and a kind of intimacy we have with God through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. It's all part of our, our, our Christian life. God always wanted to get close with people. And, the intimacy, um, the divine intimacy that we receive through, through Jesus Christ, through the, through the Trinity, through in the New Covenant, through the Eucharist, through the sacraments, um, through uh, reading the Scripture and praying, uh, through the sacramentals. All these are important. They're an important part of our spiritual life. And it's made possible through the merits of Christ, through his passion, through his suffering, through his incarnation. All that is important. Okay, so let's go to the um, the response to your psalm. 
All right, so now the responsorial psalm is, um, this is Psalm 85, 10, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, these are the verses. Kindness and truth shall meet. Kindness and truth shall meet is the response. Kindness and truth shall meet. Show us, O Lord, your mercy. Grant us your salvation. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Kindness and truth shall meet. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth. And justice shall look down from heaven. Kindness and truth shall meet. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and salvation along the way of his steps. Kindness and truth shall meet. Okay, so let's review this a little bit. Psalm 85. Kindness and truth shall meet. Kindness and truth shall meet. Kindness. Um, sweetness, gentleness, <clears throat> showing mercy, uh, showing consideration, uh, showing uh, appreciation uh, to to another person. Truth is basically essential. You there. Um, recently, I heard Michael Voris talk about a, a cardinal or bishop criticizing church militants, saying that they have. Uh, too much clarity and not enough charity. Uh, charity meaning love, but clarity, which is truth, being seeing things clear, seeing things as they are, seeing the truth. Um, you know, you can't, you can't love any, you can't show love and kindness if there is no truth. You need truth, basically, and the truth is God. And you can't um, uh, camouflage something uh, or undermine something uh, if there is no truth. And if you're hiding something or you're manipulating, then there is no kindness. There is no love. There is no consideration. You're, there's manipulation and there's, there's, there's only deception. Show us, O oh Lord, your mercy. God's God asking the prayer is saying, show us, O Lord, God, your mercy, show us your kindness, show us your, your love, show us your truth, all those things, what you can't separate one. It's like an anatomy. It's like a, a branch. You cut off something. Uh, uh, someone can see when a branch has been cut off, when it trimmed off, but with God, <coughs> With God, everything has to be together. It has, it's like a balance. You take away kindness, you take away mercy from truth. Truth itself, then it's not truth. Then it's, then, then it's not complete. Uh, grant us your salvation. With kindness, with mercy, with truth, with love. What is that? St. Paul himself said in, in uh, his chapter in Corinthians, faith, hope, and love. All right? 
And you can go deep in there and, and see more with faith, hope, and love. Truth, kindness, mercy, uh, you know, respect, re respect towards someone. Um, showing, uh, because the person, is, the person, he or she is made in the image and likeness of God. You, you know, it's obligated that we show them the, what God wants, what we, what we owe to another person who is made in the likeness of God. But all that stuff, deception is not, uh, deception, manipulation, lies, uh, you know, cannot, cannot bear good. You know, cannot show, cannot uh, bear any fruit. Salvation, salvation is the rest in God, the the promise in God's covenant, the the Sabbath rest, which we just read. That you know, in in the book of Hebrews, we need to practice all these. To practice all these virtues, these good virtues, these virtues that God wants His followers to practice. So we can come into his his salvation. Um, near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. You. That's another thing I think a lot of a lot of the younger generation today, we don't hear talk about fear of God. We don't hear people talking about fear of the Lord. It says it isn't a horror story. When we say fear of the Lord, we're not talking about like a horror story, like a like a horrible parent who comes in with a belt. No, because God is God. God is God. God is powerful. God is good. God is love. But God is but also God is justice. God is justice, God is truth. And you cannot have um, love, kindness, and mercy without truth. And without, and the fear of the Lord means when you break God's commandment, you broke covenant with Him, you broke friendship with Him, you broke your love for him, you betrayed him. Therefore, justice demands it. Love demands justice. Today in the modern world, we don't like to hear such words. It's politically incorrect. It's also, uh, uh, you know, the people here like milk toast. They can't handle these kind of words. These in the past, it was important that we know this. We know this that if you know the fear of the Lord. Fear in the fact of coming up to him, like you love him so much, you would never betray God, not for anything. There was an old saying back in the seventies: "Love means never to say you're sorry." That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. That's a manipulation right there. It's taking advantage of the other person. Love means to say you're sorry. Okay, you have to you have to admit you have to stand up and own it. That's a new thing today. You see how once the people can take love and they can twist it, pervert it, and in the seventies with the Woodstock era and 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 
and the uh, so-called so make love, not war, they manipulated the meaning of love. They took away the meaning of the, the actual meaning of love. Love is also justice. Love is like Christ did for us. He put himself in our place and took, took the punishment for sin. Okay. What does Jesus say? No greater love than to, than for one to lay down his life for his friends. That's love. That's justice. That's truth. That's kindness. That's mercy. Those are the things. All right, let's continue. Okay, and to dwell in our land, meaning to come into God's salvation, glory into the land. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth. And justice shall look down from heaven. Justice look down from heaven, meaning God. Kindness and truth shall meet. Kindness and truth. You see, kindness and truth meet. They come together. Justice and peace shall kiss. Okay, you can't have mercy, kindness without truth. And truth needs mercy. And sometimes that means, and it can produce justice. Justice and peace. There cannot be peace without justice. You need all of them go hand to hand. You see how they're counterparts with each other. Truth shall spring out from the earth. Meaning all people meet, uh, practice these virtues. These virtues. And there'll be a good result, a good product, a good, uh, there'll be, you know, there'll be, um, uh, the results of a, a good results for practicing all these virtues. Um, justice shall look down from heaven. God is justice. He'll look down from heaven and to see at, at the good works, at the proper, the, the, uh, the proper practice of virtues on earth. And then it goes on. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and salvation along the way of his steps. All these things, you practice them, you, you find salvation. And God looks down and he sees his children made in his image, practicing all these divine uh, virtues, these heavenly virtues. And they'll... And, if only all of God's children will practice it, the earth will become a paradise. The earth could become an Eden. Okay, so let's go now to the gospel. <clears throat> all right, now we came to the gospel. Okay, so. Okay, hold on. All right. The Alleluia Antiphon. Alleluia, Alleluia. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Alleluia, Alleluia. Once more, Alleluia, Alleluia. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Alleluia, Alleluia. This is from 2 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 19. Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 3, verse 13 to 19. Jesus summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. 
Jesus summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Let's begin. Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and he might send them forth to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named Bonergus, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, one more time. Jesus summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 3, 13 to 19. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus went up the mountain, and he summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and, um, and he might send them forth to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named Bornegas, that is, the sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So, um, this is interesting. This is uh, a list of the... Um, the ones who uh, who, be, who are disciples, who also become apostles. Uh, these are the apostles, technically. But interesting, what what uh, how what how would we understand this? Uh, because we know now who are the men he called, the ones who will bear his gospel, who will send forth his gospel, and what it does tell us is that we know Jesus through them. These are the, this is the reason why we have the Gospel of Mark. We have the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because these are the men who, the men who followed him. We know who Jesus is today, but also we all, it's also the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one, Jesus said in the end, the Last Supper, he will help you remember, he will... Uh, remind you or and, and guide you. He guided them. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He gave them the power and the authority to heal and to cast out demons. 
Now, it says it right there in the text. There's a noise outside, sorry. To preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, on the end of that, what do we have here? Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The last person on the list with the title betrayer. Interesting. And he also had the authority to heal and to cast out demons. I know, a lot of people, when they hear that, they're scandalized by it. But he's he betrayed him. Yes, he betrayed him. He betrayed him, and he was in the beginning. Now, did they know this about him from the beginning? I don't know. Was he an oddball from the beginning? Possibly. We could say that that he was an oddball. I mean, they must have they must have seen something about him that they liked. Jesus himself knew all this. He knew one thing for certain. We know that he knew all this about him. He knew who would betray him. And the thing is, maybe in the beginning, the other apostles didn't see anything odd about him. Or maybe they did. There's always there's always a mixed feelings about someone, you know, who who really hurt everybody. You know, different people, they might have noticed some something about him in the beginning, or maybe they, they just start to they start to remember certain certain events about about somebody. Was Judas a spy? Was he sent by Caiaphas and Annas in the beginning? Maybe, maybe not. Or maybe Judas was very sincere in the beginning. Maybe his he was sincere, but not um not entirely committed, not entirely convinced. You know, but one thing's for certain. We know everything. We know the story now because the Holy Spirit made sure the story came down to us. And we know everything. It's, this is, I don't think, I think this is the hardest part of the entire gospel when it comes to Judas. Because it obviously we're moving into Lent. And moving into Lent, we're moving also into the Passion Week. And even after 2,000 years, we're still facing not just Judas's betrayal, but Simon Peter's denial. And the apostles abandoning him. Because this brings up the, the question of our own sincereness. How sincere are we when we say we love Jesus? Not just when we say we love him to others. We believe in Jesus to others. But we also have to ask ourselves, did I love Jesus? My, do, would I betray him? Because we have to bring that question to back to ourselves. Do I love you, Lord? Yes, I do. Now the question is, will I deny you? Will I abandon you? 
Will I deny you before others? Will I betray you? Now, the question is, will we? I think the best thing we have to ask, we have to pray for. Nobody prayed this, not even Peter prayed this, right? Give me the grace not to deny you. Give me the grace and strength not to betray you. Give me the grace not to commit sin against you. Give me, give, give me the grace to have strong faith. Give me the grace not to get scared and run away. Give me the grace not to be ashamed of, of, of being your follower and disciple. That's, I think, what we need to pray for. I think that's what we need to pray for. When Solomon asked wisdom, he should have also asked faith. Give me faith. Give me faith and wisdom. He should have asked for those things and the virtue not to betray you, not to be weak, not to disappoint you. Wisdom is one thing. But faith, firm, strong faith and love, all these things, there's important things. We, when we go back to what we were talking about, these virtues, we should be praying for faith to endure, to endure ridicule, to be, to endure and not betray him. Not to turn against Jesus. Not to be ashamed or embarrassed when people <clears throat> put us to the test. Not to run away like the apostles did. Those are the things where we should be praying for. Because that's the part, the problem. We might come to this. We will come to it. We, we are going to face it. In some degree, in some fashion, we are going to definitely face this trial. And um, because once we betray him, our enemies are going to ridicule us, mock us, laugh at us, put our shame in front of us. And this is what the devil wants. This is what Satan wants. Satan wants this. He wants this the, the, to use this against us. You betrayed him. You denied him. You got scared. You cursed his name. And one runs away to the night, pathetically crying, Simon Peter. The other one goes into despair and hangs himself. Where are all the others? Where were, where were all the others? John ran away but managed to come back and he came back with, with our Lord's mother and a mother. Most mothers are willing, they don't care what the world says, they're willing to be there for their children no matter what. You know, I mean, there's a scene in um, in the film. Uh, oh goodness, um, 
about the little boy. He's a Spanish little boy who grew up among Franciscan monks. It's a beautiful film. Um, Pan Novino, uh, Bread and Wine. Um, I have to remember the film, but he asked our Lord about mothers. And um, he said, our Lord answered him, mothers give, they give to their old and they keep giving. A mother will give, keep giving love. Mary, Mary is the most excellent mother and she, she has courage and strength and no one, no one, no one will get into her way. No one will get in between her and her son. No matter what, she didn't deny him. She didn't betray him. She, she loved him to the very end. And John went and found shelter, sanctuary in her. When all the others, including Simon Peter, should have done that. But they didn't. They ran and they hide, they hid because of, because of their own ego, their own shame. But Mary, Mary, Mary didn't, doesn't care what the world says. This is her son. This is her Lord. This is her savior. Her faith. Her faith just keeps giving. And John, John went and found strength in her faith, strength in her love. This is what's important. We need to ask that for that kind of faith, that kind of endurance. Never, ever to betray him. And to endure the ridicule and the shame. The book of Hebrews will start talking about that soon. In the letter. About all the people in the past. What they went through. Okay. So. Um, let's end it with an Our Father and a Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us. Marcelino Panavino. That's Marcelino, little Marcelino. Now I remember the name. It's a you should check it out. Go on YouTube, check out the film. You can go on Amazon. Marcelino, it's uh, the little boy, uh Spanish story. It's excellent. You should check it out. I'm sorry. It just came to my head. I'm I'm guessing the Holy Spirit wanted me to remember it. All right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll look for it and I'll place it on my Facebook page. Uh, the Facebook page, I set up a join. You can press and join the join the group of the Informed Catholic. Uh, you can send me messages, um, things. So I know it took a while for me to learn how to do that, but I managed to do it. So go to the Informed Catholic on Facebook. All right. And um, you'll, um, you know, you can join the group. I'll place a link to the little Marcelino film. All right. All right, let's get back to the uh, the prayer. I'm sorry. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen.
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. I'll be back soon.